hope that you come ready to hear from the Lord tonight. If you would stand with me, please, we'll open in a word of prayer. And uh, Brother uh, Jay, if you would, please. And join me in singing to number 207, Only a Sinner Saved by Grace.
sing that third verse because some of y'all don't remember about how much God loves you and how much it costs and the superlatives in that third verse if the whole sky was a parchment the whole thing and we took every stalk on earth and made it a quill and every person on earth was a scribe we still couldn't talk about how much God loves us and some of y'all don't know that based on how you're singing it so let's sing it again and we'll go a cappella on the chorus, okay? Could we with think the ocean fill and
under the blood. Oh, praise is your name. I'm not what I used to be. My life has been changed. Not shackled by sin and shame. It's already Aren't you glad it's under the blood? What a blessing. We're going to have Brother Humbert come and preach for us. Good to have you with us tonight. Brother Humbert, if you would. Amen. Open your Bible, please, to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. So glad to be back in your church tonight. And wow, what a good crowd. Never know what it's going to be like on Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And to see this kind of a crowd on Monday night, that is really encouraging to a guest speaker and I'm sure to the hosting pastor as well. I commend you and thank you for being here tonight and I trust God will speak to your heart and be a blessing to your heart and soul. We're thinking about revival, or at least I'm thinking about revival. Second Chronicles 7 says, If my people, which are called by my name, that's us folks, Those of us that name the name of Christ, we are God's people. We belong to Him. And the Gentile has been grafted in 
into the Jews. Otherwise, God had a nation, but now He has opened it up, and He has a church. That means us Gentiles, which is good, because I'm looking over the crowd, and I know that would be considered profiling, but I'm going to venture a guess that most of you are Gentiles. And so tonight, we can be a part of God's people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, circle that word then. You know, we're always in such a hurry, we want to help God out sometimes. And when we see people messed up, whether they're saved or unsaved, we immediately focus on the outside and we try to get the outside fixed first. We tell them, you need to stop doing this, stop doing that, shape up here, shape up there. And, and with good intentions, they do so. But Proverbs says, as a fool, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool to his folly. God has a a progression for us. First of all, if we're going to see change in our life, if we're going to see change in our home, if we're going to see change in our church, if we're going to see change in America, we've got to do it God's way. First of all, we must humble ourselves before God. And that's a big deal. I just preached one sermon on that. But quite frankly, it's, it's a struggle for all of us to admit We're not where we ought to be. And if we do, it's in a very casual, flippant statement. We need to be like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. Up to that point, Isaiah had been preaching, Woe unto thee! Woe unto thee! Woe unto thee! But then he got a glimpse of God. And once he got a glimpse of God's glory, he said, Woe unto me! Woe is unto me! And quite frankly, if... Isaiah, a premier prophet of the Old Testament, would say, woe is me. I have a hunch that most of us are not even in the same category as Isaiah. I'm saying if we're going to see revival in our lives, we must first of all humble ourselves before God. Then secondly, we must pray. And again, I just gave one simple sermon and Really, quite frankly, you could have a whole revival on prayer, quite frankly. Teaching and admonishing and exhorting people to get involved. But prayer, we just looked at a simple way to pray. Seven things that we can ask God because He's told us to ask for those things. And if it's according to His Word, according to His will, we can go boldly into the throne of grace knowing that God will hear and answer those prayers. Then God said, seek my face. What is that? Well, our psalm addresses that, Psalm 27. We're going to look at verse number, well, let's look at verses 7 and 8. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. 
I don't know if the psalmist is referring to 2 Chronicles 7.14. I don't know that to be true. But apparently he heard God say, Seek ye my face. And when he heard God say that, he set out to be obedient right then and there. He said, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. And so tonight, I want to teach and preach a little bit on this subject. Face to face with God. And in the message, I will first of all explain from Scripture what it is to see God face to face. Secondly, we'll consider what's it for? Why does God want you to seek His face? And then thirdly, what it will do. And if I run out of time, too bad for you, because point number three is the best point of the three for me. I always say the best for last. If you're planning to skip church on Wednesday night, I hope we don't record it. Because you shouldn't get the cherry on top unless you come to church that night. Hallelujah. I'm saving my best for last. You say, why do you do that? Just have something to look forward to. Reward you that have come and endured the second-rate sermons that you can look forward to something on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. But tonight, I want to teach and preach on this subject face-to-face with God. Father, I'm going to do the best I can to teach and preach your word tonight to to an eternal-bound audience. Father, primarily, our attention is given to this dear church. They've invited me to come to to preach a revival meeting. Father, I think all of us would agree that all of us could use some type of revival, but quite frankly, We need an old-fashioned Holy Spirit revival to sweep our churches that would sweep our land and even sweep the globe. Our desire is to see you lifted up, that the nations would rejoice and be glad. Father, again, I pray for the lost soul here tonight that's one heartbeat from a devil's hell. I pray they'd be saved tonight and certainly before it's eternally too late. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I said, first of all, I want to consider what it is to see God face to face. And usually when I'm trying to learn what something is and try to figure things out in the Word of God that may not be so apparent at first, I like to rule out what it's not. Because sometimes we we get confused and we think we got an idea, and so I'd like to rule out what it's not. We know, first of all, that it's not literally seeing God, the Spirit, with your human eye. I think we'd all agree with that, but let me share with you the Scriptures. Jesus said in John 1.18, No man has seen God at any time. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 20, God said to Moses, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And when Paul was writing to his young preacher apprentice, Timothy, he was speaking of God and said, Whom no man has seen nor can see. So let's, let's be clear tonight. 
when we talk about seeing God face to face, it is not seeing Him with your human eye, not seeing Him. He's a spirit. God is a spirit. You can't see a spirit. And if you did, it'd scare you to death. No man can see God or he would die. But the truth of the matter is, there are several times in Scripture where the Bible says men and women saw God face to face. Let me share some of those with you. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 4. The good book says, The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. In Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 35, again addressing the nation of Israel. He said, I will bring you into the wilderness of the people, and there will I plead with you face to face. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10, And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Isn't that strange? He told Moses, no man can see me, but the Bible says God knew him face to face. Genesis 32 verse 30 says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. Did you hear those references, folks? We know seeing God face to face is not literally seeing him with our physical eye. But I just read to you four different accounts in Scripture recording that Moses saw God face to face. Two different generations of Israel saw God face to face. And Jacob saw God face to face. Folks, don't you know the Bible is full of contradictions? Well, there's one of them. That's what a lot of people say to me or have said to me. Oh, that Bible is full of contradictions. You know what I like to do? I like to pull out my New Testament when I have it with me, and I say, just show me one. They can't show you one. It's a defensive mechanism. The Spirit of God is likely working on them, and to blow it off, they will say, you can't trust the Bible. It contradicts itself. Folks, before you get critical of them, you ought to have empathy for them. Because quite frankly, we were all in darkness at one time. Those people just need to hear it over and over and over. That's our job. Just preach the gospel. You don't have to win them. Just preach the gospel. Eventually, the Spirit of God will work in them through His Word, and you will get the opportunity to win them to Jesus Christ. It's not because of our communication skills. It's not because of our charismatic personalities. It's the power of the gospel that is able to save souls. God's Word says on four different occasions that people saw God face to face. So how do we make that work? The Bible says we can't see him, but God says, seek my face. Sounds like a mean God, doesn't it? Seek my face, but by the way, you can't see me. 
No, it just means we have to think a bit, which is foreign to this generation that's drunk with television. This generation struggles at thinking because our minds have been dumbed down by the electronics that we have given ourselves to. That's science. That's not preaching. But let's think for a moment. Hmm. wonder if there's some commonality with those people that saw God face to face. What took place when Moses saw God face to face? Do you remember? He went up on Mount Sinai. When he went up on Mount Sinai, something happened. Do you remember what happened? He received the Ten Commandments. That's when the Bible says he saw God face to face. You read those two accounts that I read to you about the the children of Israel, the verses preceding the verse I read to you before they saw God face to face. You know what they said? Tell us what God said. Whatever God says, we will do it. Just tell us. Don't hold back. We want to know what God has to say to us, and we'll receive it. Huh. Jacob. Remember that night? He was wrestling with an angel, but... If you're a student of the Bible, you know that wasn't an ordinary angel. That's what the uh, theologians refer to as a Christophany, a pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ didn't come into existence in Bethlehem. He's the eternal I Am. He was in the beginning. All things were made by Him. He created this world. Without Him was not anything that was made. He's the creator of the universe. And the Bible tells us that He actually walked on this planet many times and referred to as the angel of the Lord. And in this text, Genesis 32... Jacob is wrestling with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the commonality? The Lord Jesus Christ is also referred to as the Word. There are three that bear witness in heaven, 1 John says. The Father, the Word, the Spirit. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. I'm trying to get you to think and see what's taking place. The children of Israel, when they saw God face to face, they were receiving God's Word. Moses, when he's up on Mount Sinai, and the Bible says he saw God face to face, he was receiving the Word of God. Jacob, he's wrestling with the Word of God. And he was receiving the Word of God. 
What is it to see God face to face? It's to not just read your Bible, though that's, that's a starting point. Not just memorizing the Scripture, that's the next point. Not just meditating on it, but receiving it, meaning I deliberately, intentionally want to know what God says and obey it. I will do what He says. Lori and I had the opportunity to visit my uncle that had a home in the Bahamas. We went to a church on Sunday night, and uh, it was really something. We went into that service. I'll never forget it. We were there about 20 till, quarter till. It's a good time for a guest to arrive. There wasn't a car on the parking lot. It was dark. And uh, so we drove around thinking we went to the wrong church. We uh, came back to that church, and there was one car, and it was about two to seven. And I got out, and I said, is this St. John the Baptist Church? I mean, it's right there on the sign. Is this St. John? Yes. Are you having service tonight? Yes. Does it start at seven o'clock? Yes. It's two till seven. And he welcomed us, and was so kind and hospitable, and brought us in, sat us over here. We, we came in from that door over there. That was their main entrance. And they sat us up here on the second row. And as we sat down, I think when they say church starts at 7, that's when people say, oh, it's time to go to church. And so slowly but surely people started coming in and flowing through and welcoming us. And we were the only pale faces in the entire auditorium. I'm telling you what, we stood out. They knew we were guests. They knew we were guests. That platform filled up. The choir was all men. They all had white shirts, red tie, black pants. They got up in the choir. They're reading their Bibles. No song director, no pianist, no organist yet. All of a sudden, the leader of the group gave out a a solid, resounding, hmm, hum, like uh, getting the key that they're going to sing. All of a sudden, he starts singing, Yes, Lord, yes. And then the rest of the men start singing with him. They stood up, and every time they would repeat that, it just got louder and louder. I was caught up in the spirit. I told Lori, I don't know where they're going, but I'm going with them. <laughs> This was good. I mean, it was awesome. And then he stopped. Everyone was quiet. And he began to pray. He said, Heavenly Father, you've already heard our answer. Whatever you tell us to do, we're ready to hear you. Folks, that's the attitude we ought to come into church with. That's the attitude we ought to have when we start having devotions in the morning. That's the attitude we ought to have any time that the Word of God is heralded and proclaimed. We're saying, yes, Lord, yes. Whatever you tell me to do, I am ready to do it. That's what it is to see God face to face. It's imperative that you and I spend time in God's Word Every single day. We wouldn't need revival services if we lived in a state of revival. Does that make sense? 
If we would see God daily, face to face, we'd stay on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. And quite frankly, we wouldn't be dealing with as much sin and temptation as so many of us do. Now secondly, what's it for? Well, turn over to James chapter 1. Let's have a a little Bible study here. You know this passage, but I want you to see it with your eyeballs. What's it for? Why does God want us to see him face to face? Okay, why does he want us to receive his word? Why does he want us to obey him? I mean, what's the big deal? It's not like we're anti what he says, but man, he's really telling us to put forth some effort to see him. All right, let's see what it says. You there in James chapter 1? Scroll down to verse number 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For beholdeth, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Did you catch that? James says that a man that hears the word of God, but he doesn't do it, is like a guy that goes to a mirror, and he's talking physically now. He goes to a mirror, and he sees his face, and he leaves the mirror forgetting what he saw. So the question is, what did he see? Well, we had five baby girls. We had five daughters born in five years. We had four weddings in 19 months. We now have 11 grandchildren that like to visit us at Christmas. And I tell our church, the prettiest lights at Christmas are the taillights of our children pulling out of the driveway. Now, you young people think that's mean. I don't mean a mean thing about it. We're glad when they come. We're we're exhausted when they go. (laughs) And I learned a lot watching those girls. I mean, my dad, just watching them go through the ordeal of putting on makeup is quite a process. When my dad used to say, son, don't preach against makeup. Paint can make any old barn look good. Now, I didn't say that. My dad said that, and he's already in heaven and it may be for that reason. <laughs> so, but my girls, watching them, this is what I learned from girls putting on makeup. First of all, they go to the mirror. They're not going to let anybody see them until they're presentable. They, they go to the mirror, and when they go to the mirror, it's like, ah! They don't like what they see. So they lock the doors. And then they start the project. They get what they call a a stripper. It's something, it's makeup remover. It takes off dead skin, previous makeup. It gets you down to the natural skin. And that's scarier yet. And then they pull out the first bucket of paint. And it's basically the base. Now when I think of a base, I think of a low and singer in a gospel quartet. 
But for them, it's just the first coat, okay? It's kind of like the primer for you painters, okay? They put it all over their face, and, and it's sad because old people, they're on Social Security, they don't have as much money, and so they're trying to make things go further, and you can tell it because they always stop right here on the jawline, <laughs> and their neck could be a lighthouse out on a point somewhere. So I'm not being mean, I'm just calling it like I see it. So you, you ladies, you really would help all of us if you just feathered a little bit, you know, give, give us a little gradual uh, shock, you know. And so after they get the, then they, then they start adding color. And they, they really want, for some reason, they want you to know they got bone here. And so they some, put some color there, and then they, uh, they, they sometimes put a little color on their cheeks, too. It's really a, a work of art. Then they begin with the eyes, and they put coloring on the eyelid. And that could change from day to day. And you men, don't ask why, because your eyes might be colored also, but it won't be with paint. Just let it go. And they put a little there and a little there. And then they they get a pencil. And they draw a line. And they want you to know where the eyelid stops and where the eyelashes begin. And so they draw a line here. And then they draw another line here. And I don't know what that's for, but they draw lines there. And now they even got it a little bit like a Cleopatra look. Of, it's, a, it's a Nike swoosh. And, and then my favorite part is they get some pliers. And they, they attack those little eyelashes. And then they flutter them. And if they're not long enough or a curl or whatever looking for, they, they attack. <laughs> then they put on lipstick. Sometimes it's glossy. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's flavored. Sometimes it's not. That's another thing, men. You don't ask why. You just kiss them and run. <laughs> okay, you just put the lipstick on. Now they're ready to go out. You see, they went to the mirror. They didn't like what they looked at, and so they try to fix it. Guys are more like James here. They go to the mirror. They look at the mirror. Ugh. Hey. Doesn't get any better than this. Some people think that James when he's using that illustration to get them to see the power of the Word of God, he says, or we take it so often, that James is saying when you come to the mirror of God's Word, God's Word is going to show you like you are. And you're not going to like what you look like. It's going to reveal to you your imperfections. There's nothing wrong with that 
application. But let's think about it, folks. Do you really have to read the Bible to know where you're wrong? There's people in, in the world today that's never heard a missionary, never seen a Bible, never heard the name Jesus, and yet they know it's wrong to kill. They know it's wrong to commit adultery. They know it's wrong to steal. They know it's wrong to lie. They know it's wrong to covet. They know there's a God out there and they agree who that God is. And whatever God that God is, they worship Him. They set a time aside for Him. They also know it's right to honor their mother and their father. I'm asking this crowd tonight, who told them that? Well, Romans 2 says God wrote it on our hearts. That's why there isn't a man on the planet that has an excuse when he stands before God. He's given all of us the law. That's why man is always looking for religion. He's trying to appease God's. You say, well, how about the man? We're not talking about the, how about that man. There's, that's an easy answer. I'm dealing with us tonight. There's nothing wrong. Yes, the Bible will reprove and rebuke us. But if that's all you get out of your Bible, no wonder people don't want to read it. That's not, that's not what James is talking about. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's see if we can shed a little more light on this. When we go to the mirror, what is it that we, that we should see? When James says he goes to the mirror and beholds his face, what are we supposed to be looking for here? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 18, if you're there, say amen. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, do you see what they're going to see? The glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I don't know if you're catching this, but God's saying, when we come to the mirror, when we come to God's Word, you're going to see God's glory in this book. You know who God's glory is? Jesus Christ. That's why it says in Revelation, there won't be a need for the sun there. The glory of the Lord is going to light the city up. Well, who is that? Jesus. He's the glory of God. And God says, whether you open up in Genesis or in Revelation or anywhere in between, you open up this book, you're going to find Jesus Christ. The Scriptures speak of Jesus. That's what this book is for. It's a history book, yes, but my word, there's a lot of books on history. The history that's recorded in here is just so that you can get a flow of how Jesus got involved in our life. This book is about Jesus. And when we find Jesus in here like in a mirror, we're going to behold that glory, and that glory will be seen here. Otherwise, 
you see Jesus here, you're going to see how God is changing you to be like him right here. I may not be the man I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not the man I was. I'm a different man than I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 40, 50, on back. And the more that I see God face to face, the more He will shape me to be like Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of getting in God's Word. That's the purpose of obeying His Word. That's why Romans 8 says, all things work together for good. To who? To them that love God. To them that are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate, not to be saved. He's talking about those that are already saved. Those that are saved are predestinated to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. He that began a good work in you, He's performing it. He's going to shape you. He's going to use difficulties, blessings, attacks, sorrow, suffering to shape you to be like Jesus Christ. That's what seeing God face to face is for. More than being the best dad. More than being a great husband. More than being a wonderful pastor. Wonderful, more than being a tremendous soul winner. Our desire ought to be like Jesus. Because if I'm like Jesus, I will be everything else I've already mentioned. Are we together? Now here's the last thought. What will it do? Oh, I like this part. What will it do? Well, it's going to have an impact on you. You can't see God face to face and something not happen. I mean, you're going to leave differently. Jesus doesn't meet with people and they leave the same. If you can leave church the same way you came in, you didn't see God face to face. You can have devotions and not be different you didn't see God face to face. I'm not being critical. I'm talking to me too. Are you with me? This is for all of us. Don't be too sensitive now. What will it do? Now, before I get to it, I want to remind you, American culture is wonderful at imitating. If something looks good, that's all we're interested in. And America, man, we, can, we have the best phony everything. And so you can fake some of this stuff, but it won't carry you through. You might fake us out. It's amazing when I read people's, when I used to read, because I'm not on it anymore, amen, Facebook, and I read their glowing testimonies, and I'm thinking, who is this person? I know this person. That's not the person I know. We can always put a pretty nice face on ourselves. Just so that people will like us. Well, if that's what you're interested in, if you're in a virtual world, have at it. 
Enjoy your time here. But eternity's a long time. And if you're a virtual Christian, you're going to believe in the reality of hell. You need to be a real Christian, not a virtual Christian. If we see God face to face, there's some things that are going to happen. And we can see it in the, the accounts that we read of earlier. First of all, let's look at the man Jacob when he wrestled with that angel, when he received the word of God. What happened? He got a new blessing. Just jot these down for the sake of time. He got a new blessing. The Bible says, and he blessed him there, uh, Genesis 32, 24. And he blessed him there. Folks, when you get blessed, you can't help but get happy. I mean, <clears throat> by nature, we're all negative. That's just our nature. Some of you may have been born with more of an optimistic nature. But quite frankly, we're all drawn to the negative. We're all drawn to, uh, how do tabloids that you know and I know, 95% of it's lies. Yet people are attracted to that stuff. Because it's, it's negative. It's dirty. Our old nature is attracted to that junk. But when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ, you get blessed. That makes you happy. You can't help but let it out every now and then. And that's, um, that's why I like to sit up front when I'm at home. Because if I get happy, which is more often than not, I like to sing. And I like to sing loud. And I sing loud when I'm in visiting in other churches. I, uh, and especially if I'm sitting behind teenagers, I don't want them to have something to laugh at through the remainder of the service, so I tone it down a little bit. I don't want to throw them off. But when I'm at home, I sing it out. And I sing loud. And because I've lived with women my whole life, I change my mind through the middle of the song. <laughs> I start off by singing the melody. I'll sing the bass, I'll sing the tenor line, and if it's not too high every now and then, I'll screech out an alto. But quite frankly, every now and then, I just feel free, and I'll sing, I'll make something up. Yeah. Bottom line is, if I'm sitting behind you, I'm going to mess you up. But for me to be free, I've got to be right here. The only one I'm going to mess up is the song leader. And he's paid to be there, so I don't care about him. So hallelujah, I'm just teasing you. Man, when we get blessed, you've got to let it out. That's why we say amen in church. That's why we say hallelujah every now and then. That's why we say praise the Lord every now and then. You've got to let it out. And if you don't let it out, you're going to get hurt. When I was young, my mom, she did not like when I would sneeze in church. Because when I sneeze, I like to put my whole heart into it. Well, if you're going to do it, let's, let's enjoy this. I enjoy the whole wind-up, everything. You know how the little... <laughs> you know how a little hair just... Achoo! And I always sneeze in pairs. And so my mom saw me winding up... So, shoot, if I can't let her out, I'm going to enjoy the wind-up. So I just... <laughs> Man, have you ever held in a sneeze like that? You, you do that for 30 years, you're going to have hernia surgery. I'm telling you, that's a testimonial. <laughs> I'm telling you. You've got to let it out. 
And when God blesses you, you got to let it out. Or you're going to injure your Christian life. And you're going to take casually all the blessings of God, all the truths of God, and then you go to the ball game and scream your lungs out. Hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. You can let it out in church. Go to the ball game and go, oh, bravo, that's good. (laughs) When you're in church, let it out, hallelujah. Jacob got blessed. He got a new name. When you see God face to face and God blesses you, you're going to get a... You're going to get a new name. You say, what's that? Well, in church, we usually say brother, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. Um, boy, when, when you're in school, when I was in high school, I remember my speech teacher, he asked us, you know, to put together a, a persuasive speech. That was our assignment. I didn't know what to do. So the next week I got up and I persuaded everybody to go to heaven. It's came the Romans road and illustrations and this and that and I mean, they're all just looking at me like we're in church or something, you know. And then the teacher said, wow, that was really good, Mr. Humbert. You know, he said, that was really good, Reverend Humbert. He said, but I don't think that's very fair since your dad's uh, a preacher. Next week, I want you to come and give us another persuasive speech. So the following week, I persuaded them to go to hell. <laughs> just tried to think like a lost man and... Oh, your friends are going to be there. I mean, why, why would you want to be without them, you know? It's going to be dark, man. You guys like darkness. <laughs> so. Man, I'm playing basketball at the YMCA. Boy, when they found out I was, it was reverend from that time on. We got men in our church. They're not even close to a reverend. It's a joke if, when, when we hear they're being called, but out in the world because they just mentioned Jesus or they pray over their food. Ooh, the reverend is here. We'll get a new name. I'm just saying, you see God face to face, you're going to get blessed. You'll get a new name. Let's see what happened to the children of Israel. They, um, they got, uh, first of all, they got protection. Numbers 14, 14 is where I'm referencing. That thou, Lord, art seen face to face, that thy cloud standeth over them, that thou goest before them. They got protection. Folks, the word of God is our protection. We're not to be overcome by the devil. Sometimes we make the devil out to be a, a victor over us. We are more than conquerors. Yes, does he have power? Yes. Can he destroy us? Yes. That's why James says, resist the devil. And he will what? Flee. Well, how do you make someone flee? You know, this guy comes up to me and says, I'm going to knock your lights out. Oh, stop. Don't do that. May the force be with you. You don't really want to hit me. Oh, I don't really want to hit you. No, that's not, that's not how it's going to work. You know what would help? If I put a knife and stick it in his belly and say, take another step forward. you get the point. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, do you remember that? How did he resist the devil? By quoting Scripture. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. When we see God face to face, we get protection. 
Our government today says we need abortions, we need condoms, we need Ritalin, we need more prisons, we need police, we need government housing, we need... No, we just need the Word of God. The very thing that you took out of our public school system was the very thing that protected us. And you throw this out, and what do you get? Just read the facts. I'm suggesting to you as a family, you need the Word of God for protection. And then they also got guidance. The book says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Too many of us are like the gypsy, a city slicker was out driving in the country, I think it was in the hills of Pennsylvania, if I remember the story correctly, driving over the rolling hills of Pennsylvania and just taking in the beauty. And, and then he saw a, 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 a strange object over the hill and it was, it was a box on wheels. It, it wasn't a stagecoach, but... It was strange, and, and, and it had a horse drawn, but it was very colorful. And there was a man standing outside of it, and he was throwing this stick up in the air. Well, the city slicker couldn't take it. You know, he just got in his car and started driving down and stopped behind to find out that the guy was a gypsy. He'd never met a gypsy before, and, and he engaged in conversation with him, and and got really quite an education of the gypsy world, the gypsy life. And, and so the city slicker said, well, you know, I can't help but notice, but you were throwing a stick up in the air. What's all that about? He said, well, it's my magical stick. When I come to a fork in the road, and I don't know which way to go, I just throw the stick in the air, and it points in the direction that I'm supposed to go. And the city slicker said, well, I noticed you threw it up in the air three times. He said, yeah, I know. It keeps pointing left. <laughs> Otherwise, he was going to throw it in the air until it pointed the direction he wanted to go. Amen. And that's how a lot of Christians are today, especially in America. We don't like how the stick is being pointed. So we find another verse. Can't find it there? We'll find another version. And if we still can't find it, we'll find another church. We'll find another denomination. We'll find someone that agrees with us so I can go the way I want to go. There's a way that seems right unto man, I think the book says. Do you know the end of that street? When we see God face to face, He will give us guidance. Should I go into the ministry? Should I move on? Should I marry this guy? Should I buy this car? Should we build a house? Should we just stay here? Should I change this job? All of that can be found in the Bible. Now that makes some preachers nervous because we know there's no new revelation after the book of the Revelation. There's no further revelation after this. But you get in God's Word, He will guide your steps. He will give you wisdom to make godly decisions so that you can walk in His way and fulfill His will in your life. And then the third thing, and then we'll close. We see God face to face. We will get a friend. That's what Moses got. 
Exodus 33, verse 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. He got a friend. And folks, the songwriter said it very well. What a friend we have in Jesus. Proverbs 18, 24 says, And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Matthew 28 says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You may feel at times that your best friends have forsaken you. Some of you will go through that in your life when you're in a crisis and at the lowest point in your life and you'll feel like nobody is with me. My friends, I thought they would never leave me. Can I help you tonight? Sometimes you'll go through things in your life that nobody can go with you. God allows it for a reason. So that you will know He sticks with you. When my dad died, I was surrounded by my wife, my five baby girls, sisters, my mom, 350, 400 church members. And yet I still felt like I was totally alone. The psalmist said, if I ascend into heaven, Thou art there. But if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. You know what he's saying? There isn't anywhere you can go that he's not going to be with you. And sometimes when we hit rock bottom, he's the only one that can go there. May 22nd, 1989. I'm driving southbound on Governor's Highway, returning from a hospital visit, heading back to our church. Going northbound was an emergency vehicle, paddy wagon, paramedics, lights flashing. I've seen them before, it's nothing new. But for some reason, I said out loud in my car, that could be my dad. Drove to the church, went to my office, and there was a note on the door. Call Lori, S-A-S-A-P. That's the first time I'd ever received a note like that. Lori's not demanding. Call it intuition, call it whatever you want. I got a sick feeling. I drove over to my dad's house, which was just a mile from the church. When I pulled up in front of his house, my two sisters were there. I jumped out of the car and they greeted me and said, Do you know that dad was taken to Olympia Fields Osteopathic? I said, No, I hadn't heard a thing. I just went to the church and saw a note on the door to call Lori and tried to call her and there was no, no answer. And while we were talking, Lori pulls up. The four of us jump in my car and we drive over to Olympia Fields Osteopathic. 
get out of the car and walk up to those doors, you know, and the doors opened up, and then there's another set of double doors. They opened simultaneously, and a young man, in fact, he resembles you quite a bit without the beard, though. He came up, and he said, are you Bruce Humbert? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, your dad is dead. Just like that. He took us into where my dad laid. We were in a very small room. I mean, a very small room. It was almost like a storage room. It was so little. The gurney that he was laying on, his dead body there. My mom sitting at the end of him, stroking his head. Don, please don't go, Don. And I'm sitting here realizing... I'm now the pastor of our church. I got to get myself together. I can't let it go. I'm now my mom's pastor. My two sisters, they're going to look to me. My wife, we asked her to go back to the church and pick up a letter my dad left on his desk in case of my death. I'll tell you, you senior saints, you do your family a favor if you do something similar to what he did for us. I opened it up, and he gave us instructions. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. What to do next? Because we were overwhelmed. One of the instructions was he did not want an open casket. And that was odd. And it was not well received by our church. They loved him. But we were determined to follow his wishes. But my mom couldn't stand the thought that she'd not get to pay her final respects. So she appealed to me, and when I basically said, it's, he's your husband, I'm just reading what he said. But she convinced my two sisters and I that we could have an open casket for the family the night before. And then when we transported his body to the church, we're fulfilling the letter of the law. It'll be a closed casket service. So that night before the funeral service, we had an open casket viewing. And up until that time, I was doing remarkably well. And then I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. I don't know what triggered it, but all of a sudden I felt my insides erupting. I mean, not just emotions, physically. I felt like I was moving inside. Something wasn't right, and I, I knew I was going to lose it. So I left the room where they were looking at my dad and my family, and I went over to a, an adjacent room next to him. I was all by myself. I mean to tell you, I wept like I never wept. I was broke. I respected him. I loved him. And I mean, I was, I was beside myself. And I wept to God. I said, oh, God, what am I going to do? I, I'm not the man that he is. How am I going to follow him? How am I going to pastor our church? I can't even hold myself together now. God spoke to me. Now you keep it in its context. 
God said, Bruce, you tell others what to do when they're sorrowing. You tell them to read your, my word. Well, God, I don't have my Bible with me. Well, quote some scripture. Folks, I can quote hundreds of scripture. But at that point, I couldn't think of Jesus wept. My mind was blank. I told God, I said, God, I don't know where to go. God said, just go to the beginning. The beginning? Genesis? That's a chapter on, that's a chapter on creation. I need comfort. I need help. I need encouragement. Yes, I need to heal, but I'm following my dad, the first student ever to graduate with a 4.0. I'm following him as the pastor. I just said, start at the beginning. So finally, with reluctance, I said out loud, in the beginning, God, that's all I could get out. And God said, you're in a new beginning, Bruce. And I am all you need. Now, folks, they've been playing music all evening. I hadn't heard a song. I mean, I didn't pay attention to any song. But right then, I was very sensitive. I was seeking God's face. All of a sudden, God tuned my ear to the song that was being played in the funeral home. I hadn't heard it since I was 10, 11 years old. Our song leader used to sing back at the Akron Baptist Temple. He used to sing, It is no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. And right there, I saw God face to face out of a verse on creation. I'm saying to you tonight, we need to seek God's face. Yes, Lord, yes. Whatever you tell me, talk to me, tell me something. My answer is yes. And when we see God face to face, oh, you'll get blessed. You'll get a new name. You'll you'll get protection and guidance. But I'm here to tell you, you're going to realize there is no better friend than Jesus Christ. And if we got no other blessings after our salvation, Jesus is enough. He's all we need. And I would encourage this church to seek God's face. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Tonight, you don't have to wait for a church revival. You can have revival in your own home. You can have revival in your own school. You can have revival in your car. You seek God face. See Him face to face.
Let's stand to our feet. And I pray God spoke to your heart tonight and encouraged your heart tonight. Father, would you bless the preaching of your word. May the seed that was scattered land in good soil, fertile soil. Bring forth fruit in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You come as the pianist plays for us. challenge amen some for us to think about tonight uh, think on tomorrow as we go to work and uh, just seeking him seeking him uh, so we've got two more nights hard to believe revival goes that quick uh, we'll have tomorrow night and Wednesday night again we'll start at seven o'clock encourage you to plan to come and be with us uh, for revival I'm going to ask the Humberts if they would to go to the back and uh, we will dismiss it in prayer
Lord, we love you and we thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for this time together this evening. And Lord, I pray that we would seek your face. We know that it would be good and beneficial for us uh, as we seek to walk with you and to know you, that we might seek you. Lord, I pray that you'd teach us how, that we might grow in, in grace and knowledge and truth, that we might see you and that we might, uh, through your word, uh, know uh, you in a greater way. Thank you for the service tonight. Be with us as we head home. Keep us safe. Might you be glorified through it all. We ask it in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. I will mention as we dismiss, there was a snake found last night out front. Uh, and so you might just warn your children, you know, if you find a snake, you don't need to be playing with it. We dispatched of it uh, in a timely fashion with a very large shovel. And uh, so uh, just FYI, okay? Thank you. Have a good night.